All right, kids, I think you were given resources. Jen, they're allowed to open their thing now, yes? So, so kids, you're allowed to open your bags now. You can get those. Those are for you. <laughs> Provided some cool things for you. We'll see how that goes. Let's switch to this one. Well, one of the many themes of Advent, the time of getting ready for the coming of Jesus, for Christmas to come, is hope. The word that we look, that we talk about is this word of hope, that we are hoping for there to be something more that's coming. Oftentimes when I was a kid, I, it was a word that I thought about was hope, and I mostly hoped for some of the gifts that I was going to be receiving. But most of the time, that was pretty wishful thinking. I think I wanted my parents to get me maybe all of the Star Wars toys, or maybe all the Legos. Not just the ones I wanted, all the Legos. Uh, so it was oftentimes wishful thinking. It wasn't true hope, not like the hope that we have as Christians. As Christ followers, the hope that we have is actually rooted in something much deeper than just seeing that there are some presents under the tree. It is in knowing that God is the one who is faithful to us. You know, we say that Christmas is not just about the gifts, right? with us in the fall, we were looking through this period of the kingdoms as God's people were asking for a king, and then God did give them a king. It was amazing. They, they were longing for this king who would give them, who would be good and just, and he would lead the land to a time of prosperity and safety, and really, ultimately, this king would be somebody who would help them to thrive in every area of their life, uh, including spiritual part of their lives, but really just kind of everything work the way it's supposed to work. That's what they wanted. And when David was king, there was a guy named David who was king. It looked kind of like that was what was going to happen. And then unfortunately, he failed pretty miserably. And after his failure, it never worked right throughout the whole history of the, of the way that of the kingdoms went. It just didn't work. And the people ended up turning away from God and not giving him the attention that, that their relationship God was supposed to have, and the people were sent into exile. They did come back. Some people started to come back from captivity at some point, but it never seemed like they really were back from exile. When they got back in the land, they were, they were conquered by other people, and at the time of Jesus, it was the Romans who were ruling that area, so it felt like they were back home, but they never came back from exile. And this question was looming for them. Is God still going to be faithful to the promises he made to save his people? This covenant, special promise he had made with his people. Would he be faithful to it? Would he deliver them? 
And the way that people expected that God would deliver them was to send a king, a king who would take care of everything, a leader, this Messiah, this anointed king who would kind of make everything right and not just rule over Israel, but he would rule over the whole world. And that's actually... It's not just that they made that up. That's actually something that God had been saying all along, that he would, he would call people back to himself, not just the people that he had been setting aside, but all the world, that their, their calling as God's special people was to be a light to the whole world. So they were meant to be these people who carried the light into the whole world. And I can sense all of these threads coming together in this guy named Simeon. It's maybe part of the story that you don't, haven't focused on very much in the, the story of, the, of Jesus' birth. There's a guy that they run into named Simeon who greets Mary and Joseph not long after Jesus is, uh, was born. And they're, they're going to the temple to take care of some things that they were supposed to do. This is kind of, I guess, uh, early paperwork. This is, you know, the stuff that you're supposed to take care of. Okay, this is in Luke 2. Go ahead and put this up. When the time came for their ritual cleansing, in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. So they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what was stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, this anointed one. The word Christ is actually not Jesus' last name. It's a, it's a word that means um, anointed one. It's the same word as Messiah. It's somebody who has been anointed with oil for God's special purposes as king. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area, this Simeon guy. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents, you can kind of picture the, you know, the, the, the running into, they did the backstory here. This is this guy, Simeon. This is what he's anticipating. And then here come Mary and Joseph, and they're going to run into each other here in the temple area. Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon, some guy grabs their kid, right? Simeon took Jesus in his arms. I, I'm presuming Mary went, what? what? Excuse me? Yeah. But Simeon says this, now, master... Let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles, those are non-Jewish people, and a glory for your people, Israel. A light for revelation to the nations, to the Gentiles, and a glory for your people, Israel. So there were a lot of people who were, uh, they saw this coming of Messiah who was going to be coming as a, a vindication of God's people. And it would be kind of a, a throwing off of all oppressors that they would get rid of the Romans, that nobody would be over them anymore. Any other group that tried to oppress them. But I, ultimately God's plan was even bigger than that. It was meant to be for the whole world that he wouldn't just vindicate his people but that it would result in blessings that go to the whole world. And that's part of what God had been saying all along. In, in Isaiah 49, he says this. God says, it is too small a thing for you, my Messiah, to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, that means uh, Israel, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. It's too small. That's, that your job is supposed to be bigger than that. I will also make you a light 
for the Gentiles, for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So he's saying, hey, th this job for the Messiah wasn't just for a small group of people. It was meant for everybody. And this guy, Simeon, he understands that. And when, when he sees this baby, kind of grabs this baby from his parents, uh, he, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And he says, not just about him, but it's supposed to be going out beyond. He understands that it was expansive. It was, it was really big, and it was too small a thing just for it to be for his own little clan, his own group of people, just the people who are around us, who we love, not just for our city, not just for our county or our state or our country. It was more, and it's supposed to reach out to the ends of the earth. So he, he saw beyond this just being a child and said, this is going to be the ruler who's going to bring peace, who's going to do what God wants. It's going to reach out to the ends of the earth. I think he has some amazing faith to see that. He's looking past that he would be the one who would teach and guide and be God's perfect king. Now, I don't know if Simeon had any idea that the way that Christ would be this servant would be to give, to intentionally give his life as a sacrifice. Maybe he still thought he would be a conquering kind of king. I don't know. Um, but he does see that this is going to be someone for the world. He's already seeing beyond his own people. Well, one of the things, I, you know, I love Christmas. It's wonderful. It's great. I get a little bit accused of being a little bit grinchy, but I'm not so grinchy. I do love it. Uh, uh, but one of the dangers that we run into is we start to think that it's just about us and about our own people that we love. That's important. I think we need to start there with the people who are closest to us. Uh, but when we, our problem with Christmas isn't that we ask too much. Oftentimes, the problem is that we don't ask enough of what Christmas could be. It was too small a thing for the Messiah just to reach the, the tribes of God's people in Israel, but it was supposed to be this salvation for the nations of the earth, every nation. So it's good for us who are in one of those nations. One of the ways that I think we don't ask for God to make it enough is really to make Christ, uh, Christmas to be about blessings beyond ourselves. We, I want peace for myself, but we ask for there to be peace on earth, including places where there's great strife in the world right now and difficulty. Uh, God's intention has always been that this invasion from heaven to earth in the form of a baby that that starts this new thing in our world. This kingdom is growing. And, and part of that is that it it's moves us beyond ourselves, that we look beyond our own immediate family, that we look to the world around us and overflows into the world. I, I, would, like, uh, I would like to encourage us, as sm one small act uh, for us to think about that, would be for you to consider today at Christmas to... Uh, I know you didn't walk in planning on this. I didn't totally, I didn't plan this ahead of time before today. But I think it would be really meaningful for us as a, as a gesture, uh, for us to even think outside of our own country's borders. And one of the things that our church here at Simi Cov does is we, we collaborate with uh, people who bring clean water to con the Congo. And I think it would be really meaningful for us, even in a small gesture, if we, if the money that we, if, if we would be willing to give some money that would go toward clean water in Africa, and so you're not obliged. There's no entrance fee here. You know, there is not like a price to be here today. I want to tell you that. But I, I just think well, it would be really meaningful for us as part of our Christmas to say, hey, if this is supposed to be for the whole world and not just for ourselves, you know, I, 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 
I bought myself a, a Christmas present, okay? Don't tell my wife, okay? So it can be a little bit about ourselves, right? I admitted that to you in front of you, okay? That's true. There's one of the gifts under the tree is for myself, from myself, okay? Um, it, I, um, but, sorry, honey. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Look at the looks on your face. Okay, okay. Um, so it could be a little bit selfish, okay? Maybe I should give more than anybody else, okay? But it can be a little bit self-aimed, uh, like a little bit in inward focused. And, and maybe this is just one way for us to focus outward. So here's what I want to say. The money that we give today, if you want to give any money, we're not going to pass a plate or anything, but if you, there are some, there's a couple baskets on the side, and there's a, there's a plate in the back. Any money that you give, 100% of it is going to go toward World Vision. Uh, I think there's a slide for that. Is there a little, is there a little picture of the World Vision? Um, to, as part of our ongoing thing for Covenant World, Covenant Kids Congo, and we're going to give toward that. I just think it kind of fits with this international vision. It's one way to go to beyond ourselves. Kids... If you, if, if you are going to give to those, it's, you are welcome during the next song. As we start to sing, you're welcome to go put that in one of those baskets. That's fine. There's no pressure and no judgment. I, I just think, I thought it was a beautiful thought on my, uh, that, that I feel like the Lord gave to me. That, hey, Kurt, maybe this is a way for you to think about other people as well. Is it even for me to give toward, not just to my kids, but to give to the poor. Okay. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful time for us to think about our Savior who came into the world. And I'll leave you with this one last thing. I saw a terrific quote from a, 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 a missionary uh, from early in the 20th century, and he said, we shouldn't ever think, what is this world coming to? We should say, look at what God has sent into the world. So we have a wonderful gift who's been given to us, Christ, the one who isn't just for us. He's for the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, we... We thank you for this word from Simeon who saw who Jesus was going to become. He saw who he was already. He was the king who had come into the world, this invasion of heaven on earth, into earth. Thank you for the gift of Christ. May it, may it mean more to us every year that we celebrate it. We can think that, that God cared enough about us not to leave us to our own devices, but to come and give himself to us. Not to send somebody else, but to come himself. So we thank you for that. May we live in the, that outward pressing momentum of the kingdom of God that presses out, pushes us to lift our eyes to our neighbor and to lift our eyes to the God who knows us and loves us. May we worship you in that spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.